Amen. Morning. Well, we have finally come to the end of chapter 15 of Luke's gospel. Who would have thought 32 verses and we'd get five sermons out of that? And yet here I am, and here you are. You're still coming. That's good. Now, hopefully you are seeing the value in spending some time going through uh, this, this particular section of verses. Now, I know it can look tedious, but the rewards are very rich. It reminds me of um, the little boy who couldn't sit still at church, and he found church was quite boring and tedious, and his, his mother kept telling him to sit still. Be quiet. Sit still. Be quiet. Finally, he just sat still and he began to look around the building and they were in an old church building. And, and in a lot of these old church buildings, we, we um, ministered in one in Sydney, they have a lot of flags and, and, and memorial plaques and things on the walls. And so this little boy is sitting still and he's looking around at all these things. And so he asked his mother, what are these things? What are these flags and these plaques? His mom said, uh, those are for all the people that died in the services. And he quickly grabbed his mom and he asked, which service did they die in, 9 or 10.30? <laughs> well, let's, uh, let's buckle up as we dive into this last section. And our third character, uh, as it happens, the third character from the image of the, the two lost sons and the gracious father. And we will read in Luke's gospel in chapter 15. It's starting in verse 25, and this is page 1040 in your Pew ESV Pew Bible, if you have that. Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf, because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him, but... He answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you, and I never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me. And all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad. For this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, this, this parable with the three images and the, and the three characters in, at the end here, we, it, it, there's such depth 
there's such intensity of this story. And yet, as we discussed last week, Father, that that story is not possible without the greater story that's taking place of the one who's telling the parable in Luke 15. And so, Father, as we do celebrate Pentecost Sunday, we ask that your Spirit would come and open our eyes to see Christ for who he is and what he has done, that we would see you, Father, for who you are and what you have called us to. Help us to see and understand and grow in these things that you may receive the praise and the glory and the honor. For we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, as we said last week, these images are presenting us really one parable because Jesus says at the beginning, or or the text says at the beginning, and he gave them this parable in the singular, and then he tells three parables. Well, it's because they're all the same. It's the lost sheep, it's the lost coin, and today it's the lost sons. And that point over and over again is about the joy in heaven that takes place when a lost person is found, or rather, when a sinner repents. And now, the thrust of the parable for the reason that Jesus tells this parable, as we have said each week from uh, chapter 15, verse 2, for the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. And after showing them the character of God, how he lovingly and graciously pursues the lost, how he brings them into the fold, how he shows grace and mercy on the rebellious but the broken and the repentant. He's now going to put the mirror, as it were, in front of their own faces. And it is through the last part of the story of the older brother that we see this picture. This older brother, he has two problems And these problems are shared by many of those who are a part of the body of believers, a part of those who partake in the Lord's Supper. Here's his first problem. The grace of God made him feel uncomfortable. The grace of God made him feel uncomfortable. These Pharisees believed that they had a religion of grace. They talked about the grace of God in the Old Testament Scriptures, but when they saw real, live grace in its living form in the ministry of the Lord Jesus, they found themselves profoundly uncomfortable. And actually, to use Jesus' words from the parable, they found themselves angry. Friends, we need to watch ourselves when we are angry. Angry in this sense directed toward giving lavish grace is a sinister symptom of some deep spiritual disability. 
And you see what it is caused by. It is caused by the older brother seeing everything in terms of what people deserved. He felt that he deserved the fattened calf. But it was his prodigal brother who got the fattened calf. He felt the father had never even given him a goat to celebrate with his friends. And when this son of his comes home, notice he doesn't even refer to him as when my brother comes home. It's that when this son of yours comes home, he gets everything. It seems unequal and unfair. This older brother in the image of the parable is such a stunning representative of the individual or the religious individual who does not understand how the gospel of Jesus Christ works. He doesn't understand that the Father's love for him is not a matter of deserving it, but it is a matter of pure mercy. There's a story of a mother who sought the pardon of her son from Napoleon. And the emperor said it was, well, this is his second offense and justice demands his death. And the mother says, I don't ask for justice. I plead for mercy. But, said the emperor, he does not deserve mercy. Sire, cried the mother, it would not be mercy if he deserved it. And mercy is all I ask for. Well then, said Napoleon, I, have, I will have mercy. And her son was saved. But you see, unlike Napoleon, God does not need to be told what mercy is. For that is his character. But God, being rich in mercy... Because of the great love which he has loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. Now, if you had asked these Pharisees if they thought that God was gracious and merciful, they would have said, yes, God is gracious and merciful. But what they meant by that was that God was gracious and merciful to those who had earned his grace and mercy. To those who deserved his grace and mercy. And so they didn't even begin to understand grace and mercy. Now how do we feel about this? How does this description of a gracious father make us feel? What is our reaction to someone who deserves justice instead receiving mercy and grace? It boils down to how comfortable am I with a God who forgives the sins of those who have done absolutely nothing to deserve forgiveness? Because here is the crucial point. The only people's sins God does forgive are those who recognize that there is nothing they can do to merit forgiveness. 
How comfortable are we with a God who forgives sin? Because such a God insists on coming so close to us that that first he has to uh, unveil and, and, and unravel our sins. And this poor older brother, how tragic his situation is. He sees himself as a a religious master. But he doesn't even understand the first principle of the relationship. That's why he says this very significant thing about the relationship. And this is our second point this morning. He says, all these years I have served. Or the, the word here really is, all these years I have slaved for you. And you never gave me anything. And you see what almost goes hand in hand with with the grace of God making you uncomfortable is the view that the Christian life is seen as a burdensome service. All these years I have slaved in the Greek duleo. Not... All these years I have worked joyfully for you. Not all these years I have served you gratefully. All these years I slaved for you. He sees service of the Father as a burden. He sees it as a duty rather than as a a delight and as a joy and, and, and as a blessing, something I carry rather than the grace of the Heavenly Father that carries me. And we see this everywhere in churches. How many people wake up thinking that they, they need to go to church out of tradition or out of ritual or, or to please God as if he was some sort of ancient deity that needs to be appeased and, and kept at bay And so we sacrifice what we would rather do that morning and we drudgingly bring in our offering of my one hour of my precious time instead of seeing it as a means of grace that we gather as a body of of believers with joy, that we long to hear the, the name of the Lord praised with brothers and sisters. That we long to be taught from the word of God. That we long to celebrate the Lord's Supper together. But instead, this morning, many people woke up and thought, I have to serve God today. I I have to slave for God with whatever duty I have today. That is not the good news, by the way. (laughs) Serving him is not the good news. It is the result of the good news. Don't put the cart before the horse. It tells me that through Jesus Christ and through the forgiveness of sins, I am accepted by God as I trust in Jesus Christ and enjoy and power of the Holy Spirit. I want to please Him. It's so unfortunate that so many people view God through this broken lens this broken lens of needing to do enough of the right thing and maybe just maybe he will accept you 
The problem is that so many people in churches are serving this out to other people. And so people quickly develop this older brother syndrome. And we want people to earn grace. A message which is the very opposite of the gospel. That it is not the labors of my hands can fill your law's demands. Could my zeal no respite know? Could my tears forever flow? All for sin could not atone. Thou must save, and thou alone. And you see the result? This poor brother who thought that the way to find love and acceptance in the presence of the Father was by earning it. He found himself in a situation in which he would not, could not go in to the celebration. Even though his father said to him, my son, everything I have is yours. Now this story, this imagery, in the immediate sense, is the picture of the Pharisees and how they viewed the tax collectors and the sinners that are coming to Jesus. And in the near sense, it's a picture of the Jews who stay in their Judaism and the Gentiles who will join in as sons and daughters of Abraham and into that covenant of grace where they will be seen as such outsiders compared to the older brother who stayed home. That older brother who sees themselves as the only real son. And finally, even today, as many of us have moved from ourselves being prodigals to finding ourselves as the older brother. Judging, criticizing, and refusing grace to those who need it most. We can have such a broken view of God and and His justice and His grace. We want grace for us and justice for everyone else. And we need to hear the gospel. We need to hear the gospel not just once, but over and over and over and over again. I heard a podcast from my old minister in Australia, and he was talking, he, he was asked this question in the interview about how do you reach the lost and train the saints all at the same time on a Sunday? And he said, Well, let's not forget that we are prone to forget the gospel ourselves. So there is a sense of, of teaching and, and discipling the faithful but also reminding us of what we believe week in and week out. And that it's the same message that the lost need to hear. It's what we have said over and over again over the last several weeks, remembering when Paul writes to the New Testament churches and when he describes wickedness in the culture and he says, and such were some of you. And such were some of you, so that they never lose this sense of remembering what they were before and what God has made them now. Because we are just as likely to become older brothers in the church 
if we do not remember who we were and who we are and how we got that way. Because we certainly did not do it by our own efforts. And so this story is about two lost sons. One goes out and squanders what the father gives him. And he comes to an end of himself and he seeks repentance and he receives grace and he receives mercy and is saved. And the other stays home and thinks by being good he is saved. But he cares nothing of the Father. He only cares what the Father can give Just as the younger son only cared what the father could give at the beginning and then he learns the lesson and comes home, the older brother still only cares about what the father can give and so he slaves away. And when he witnesses what a true son looks like, he's angry. You know, Jesus never gives the conclusion to the story. Well, what does the older brother do? Does he repent and and go into the celebration or does he become angry and angry with the father, angry with his brother and then become distant? It doesn't say. And it doesn't say because the parable is crying out to the Pharisees just as it cries out in the same way today. Repent, confess, receive the means of grace. And enter into the celebration. Otherwise you remain on the outside with a cold heart. Don't let that be you today. Don't be a lost son or daughter. Don't play church and, 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 or, or slave at church. Thinking it's your being good apart from Christ that will save you. I can't help but think if this older brother were to repent and confess, there would be another celebration. The father would bring out another robe, perhaps symbolic of the robe of righteousness, which is ours in Christ. And he would put on that family ring, perhaps symbolic of being sealed by the Spirit, and and all the rights and the privileges that come with that, with being a son and a daughter of God. And there would be great joy. Last week we talked about the prodigal stories that we all know or, or have experienced personally. But there are older brother stories too of people who thought they knew and, and, and thought they were right and held everyone to this impossible standard only to be convinced of the gospel. Well, that is my story. I was a little legalist running around and trying to judge everyone based on some set of criteria that I thought was what they should be judged by. <clears throat> Criticizing. It was, it was what I felt was right. And I was more concerned with the sin in someone else's life than with my own. 
it's any wonder I had any friends growing up. Uh, but it wasn't until sort of later in college and then soon after college that, that the truth of the gospel, I, I knew the gospel, I knew it, I had heard it so many times, but I think it wasn't until later in life that the, that the lights came on, so to speak. And I began to see the gospel for what it was. Now, I will admit, I still fight this battle. I still criticize and do all those things in my head, but thank goodness for the process of sanctification and breaking me down, and, 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 and the gospel which drives me to my knees to see my own failures and anything, even, even the little slightest bit of obedience that I have, and I want to take pride in it. That is self-righteousness. That is what the older brother does. But what the gospel says is all that you have is what God has given you. Recognize that, see that, grow in that, rejoice in that. For that is the good news. That is the good news. Let's pray. Father, a a difficult story, an intense story, rich with imagery that we can so easily and so quickly read over and and want to read certain sections that that make us feel better. And yet we need to let it all sink in. The parts we like and the parts that make us greatly uncomfortable. For some of us in this room are prodigals and some of us in this room are older brothers. And it was two lost sons. But oh, that we would have that broken heart that the younger brother has. Whether we are that younger prodigal or we are the older brother, that we would recognize what a true relationship with the gracious Father looks like. That it's coming to an end of ourselves and it's not trying to use our status or our abilities or anything as a justification but that we are only justified through the blood of Christ oh father that we would grow in that that we would learn in that that we would look around and see our brothers and sisters and we would see people on the outside not as enemies but as fellow men and women brothers and sisters who need grace, who need mercy, who need forgiveness, who need transformation, just as we did and do. So, Father, minister to our hearts. May we not become these older brothers wagging our finger, but would you continually break us, remind us that such were some of us and that it is only by the grace of Christ that we can have redemption, forgiveness of sins, and eternal life. We ask these things in Christ's name.